Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monica Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. 20 years ago, when I first came to America, I felt like a complete outsider. I didn't look like, sound like, or dress like people around me. And I chased goals that I didn't really care about simply because I thought that's what was expected of me. But here's what happened. The harder I try to fit in, the more I struggle personally and professionally. You see, I was defining myself and my success from other people's perspective. Our guest today is U.S. Congresswoman Sharice Davids from Kansas' 3rd Congressional District, who shares her inspiring story of overcoming obstacles and rising to the top by defining success on her own terms. Sharice was raised by a single mom who spent more than 20 years serving in the U.S. Army. A proud graduate of Leavenworth High School, Sharice was the first person in her family to attend college. She worked her way from Johnson County Community College to Cornell Law School, juggling multiple jobs to put her through school. Sharice went on to work in economic and community development on Native American reservations, helping tribes to create programs and initiatives for growth. This work inspired her to apply for the prestigious White House Fellowship Program, where she served under President Barack Obama and continued to create economic opportunity for others. Sharice then ran for Congress to give Kansans a voice and to make sure that everyone has the same opportunities to achieve their goals that she did. In 2018, Sharice was elected to represent Kansas' third district, becoming one of the first two Native American women ever to serve in Congress. In 2020, she was re-elected to a second term. She has spent her time in office working tirelessly to tackle the issues most important to Kansas families, including strengthening small businesses, lowering the cost of health care and prescription drugs, and making sure the government is working for the people, not special interests. In this episode, Representative Davis shares her perspective on why it's important to first embrace who you are in order for others to embrace and accept you as you are. She also shares why service matters, how to build a thriving community, and what strategies helped her achieve her goals. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Representative Davids. Representative Davids, welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are so thrilled to have you on the show. Um, I'm personally absolutely delighted that you joined us today. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation with you and to join you today. Great. Well, I've had the distinct honor and pleasure of getting to know you through my role as uh, vice chair of LPAC, uh, which to our audience that doesn't know LPAC, it's the only organization dedicated to building the political power of LGBTQ women. Um, And you are one of the two LGBTQ women elected to the U.S. House, and LPAC is proud to have endorsed and supported your candidacy from your very first run in 2018 and then again in 2020. Um, Your story is all about going beyond barriers, and that's why I'm so excited for our audience to get to know you and learn exactly how you overcame all these obstacles to achieve the success you've had and then create so much impact. Um, so let's just dive in. Um, huh. You know, let's start with your formative years. Uh, tell us a little bit about, like, you know, what were some of those pivotal moments that shaped you? Well, um, it's so it's funny because when 
of course our normal for each of us, whatever that means, it just, you don't even really think about it when you're going through it, I think, especially as a kid. Um, but during the last few years, I've had the chance to really reflect on um, things like, you know, I, I actually feel like I have a pretty common experience or a series of common experiences mm. or not uncommon experiences. My, my mom raised me and my two brothers by herself. Uh, and um, so it's not uncommon to be raised by a single parent. I, mm. I grew up an army brat. My mom was in the army for 20 years. So before I was born until after I got out of high school, my mom served in the army and, you know, so that meant we, well, my mom used to joke that she, she thought she would see that she joined the army and she thought she'd see the world. And we mostly saw Kansas and Missouri. Um, but, uh, but we, you know, we, we ended up living in a, a, a few different places. We were um, over in Germany. Um, we were in um, my mom got stationed in Korea. And during that mm-hmm. time, I lived with my cousin in Milwaukee in Wisconsin. Um, so I moved around a little bit, which maybe isn't super common, but for an army brat, um, mm-hmm. it is. And, uh, she retired while she was stationed in Kansas. And so I ended up, um, graduating from a, a public school in Kansas and, um, started off. So I'm a first generation college student, mm-hmm. uh, well, former first generation college student. My mom got her bachelor's degree about five years ago now. I think oh, it's about that's five so years. Cool. Ago. Yeah. So she's, you know, I mean, my mom is a pretty tenacious person, so I've yeah. definitely learned a lot from her. Um, but, you know, I mean that again, that's like, it's not uncommon to be a first generation college mm-hmm. student. Uh, I started off getting an associate's degree. It took me four years to get my associate's degree. Um, I worked the whole time I was in school. Um, it took me a few more years to get my bachelor's degree. Um, And I just, I think that so many of those things and are, are, they're just such common experiences for people. Mm. Um, But it's not, it's, it wasn't until I got into, like, I, I went to Cornell for law school and, Mm -hmm. you know, telling people that I had an associate's degree from Johnson County Community College was kind of mind blowing to some of my Uh, classmates. And I think that that's the kind of stuff that it had a big impact on me, even if I didn't realize it in the, in the moment. Um, Mm. And especially now, you know, creating policy and, and trying to figure out ways to like bring more people into those conversations. I feel like the, the experiences I had growing up, you know, sometimes being actually often being the only person like me in the room has, it's, it's part of what I think is so important about, um, you know, we often talk about how, how much representation matters and Mm -hmm. it's both for the voice that those of us who are kind of new to, to these spaces bring, but it's also about us recognizing that, Hey, there might be people that aren't in the room that should Mm be. And how do we make sure that we're asking that question who should be here and isn't right. And I think that 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 to me is um, it. That's the kind of stuff that I think about when mm-hmm. I realize that my common experiences growing up 
are very uncommon in places like the U.S. Mm. House of Representatives. But it gives me kind of a almost like a superpower to be able to say, uh, you know, there's there's still more work to be done. And and who do we who do we invite in to help help get that work done? Because that's what makes you so relatable, because, as you said, you know, you have those common experiences, but you're in places where those experiences are uncommon. And so you represent so much of what most people uh, are living through and going through. But, you know, going back to those early years and, and growing up in Kansas and being first generation college, like at what point did you gain that clarity, you know, to say you might pursue a political career? Was there a sense of that? Or, you know, how did you find your way there? And I ask because uh, we hear from so many young women that um, are very passionate about public policy, about change in particular, but often don't think that there might be a path uh, to have a political career. It's it's not a common thought to say, I'm going to, you know, I, I might be a doctor, an engineer, or, you know, uh, pursue any other career, but you don't go into politics. How did it unfold for you? Well, I definitely, it wasn't, I don't remember. I remember having lots of like funny ideas about what I might be when I grow up, when I was younger. Um, and now, now that we're talking about this, it makes me think of how supportive my mom was, mm-hmm. uh, all the weird ideas that I had. Um, right now I'm thinking of my mom never told me that I couldn't do something. Um, she never, she didn't, she wasn't like, she didn't puff me up, uh, in an unrealistic way. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember asking her one time if I could be a professional basketball player. This was like when we thought the WNBA was going to happen. Um, so I don't know how old I was. Maybe I was like a, a junior in high school or something. And, she, she didn't say no, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though I'm five, three, and I really was never that good at basketball, but, um, I'm athletic. And instead of saying no, my mom just said, well, you'd have to work really hard. And because you're short, you'd probably need to be a point guard. And, you know, she mm-hmm. basically was like, here's the, here the, th- actually, this is funny. Here are the barriers that you might face yeah. and the things that could do to overcome them. So, you know, like someone who's five, three, it's not, it's not really realistic for me to think that I'm going to be in the WNBA, but it's also not impossible. If I was like the most phenomenal ball handler and could make threes, like nobody's business, maybe, but my mom mom didn't say no. She explained all of the different things that Mm-hmm. would be barriers and ways that I could overcome them mm-hmm. and that it would be really hard work. So when I was younger, I really didn't, it wasn't something that I necessarily thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought that I would go, I actually thought, and I think this is part of why when um, you and I got to sit down the first time, um, you know, I, I, I really wanted to be in, you know, co- be in business, whatever that means, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, And I remember, I don't know if you saw the movie and for anybody who's listening or watching, if you, if you didn't see the movie, I don't know if I would recommend it because it might not have aged well, but, um, 
that movie Trading Places, it had mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, it's all about a guy who really had, you know, was never really had opportunities um, in front of him to be a successful business person at a younger age. Um, But the guy's smart and adaptable and all these different things. And um, when I saw that movie, I just like imagined myself as the Eddie Murphy character, (laughs) someone who was kind of like, you know, street smart, but didn't go to you know, didn't have private schools or something to go to. Yeah. And so I think that um, that was just kind of what I imagined my life to be was more in this business space. Yeah. And I always tell people I imagined, ha- you know, walking around making wheeling, dealing hand motions <laughs> or something. Um, but as I got, you know, as I was moving through my uh, educational journey and then my professional journey. It was really through the nonprofit work that I got that I got into doing community and economic development um, that I I just I realized how how few of us know how the federal government works mm-hmm. and um, just kind of across the board, uh, even like very educated people um, or people doing big things just, it's a complicated system. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I got really interested in it and, and, um, ended up getting, uh, into the white house fellows program and learned a ton about the federal government and how it works. But I also realized how few people there are like me Mm -hmm. in the, in spaces, um, in the federal government where our voices are like so important, you know, people who have people who are first generation college students or, mm-hmm. or work the entire time they were in school or, um, uh, like native people, uh, people who have lived in rural communities. I mean, there are mm-hmm. so many different times that I would see people who mean well, um, and are responsible for decision-making that Im- impacts every single person in this country. And, um, and the rooms are, are still pretty homogenous. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the thing that like really spurred my interest in, in, uh, in, in, at least in government service. Um, yeah. yeah. So fast forward from there, you, uh, you know, the uh, White House Fellowship Program gave you exposure and spurred your interest through your um, uh, work, nonprofit work. But it's one thing to feel intrigued and fascinated by something versus actually running <laughs> for office. And your name on been, it? <laughs> yeah, put your yeah. name on it. I mean, that. So uh, share with us what that first campaign, what was that like? I mean, you know, uh, and, and, you know, having met you and and being familiar with your work and uh, my gosh, the amount of grit and tenacity and resilience it takes. um, It's, it's uh, absolutely admirable, but as that first time running, walk us through that. The you're right. There is a big that's a big leap from being um, very intrigued and fascinated by the decision making process of the federal government to, you know what, I'm going to put my name on a ballot. Uh, (laughs) I mean, most people are like, okay, yeah, that was interesting. I read a book. Okay, I'll go back to my day job. Right. And you're like, okay, I'm going to put my name on a ballot. 
Yeah. And I think, I mean, some of that is probably what I was saying earlier about my mom, you know, saying, uh, well, here's all the things that you're going to have to do if you want to be in that space. Mm. And I think, um, and the, I think the other thing too, is that I have, so I'm a mixed martial arts. I've done mixed martial arts. Um, uh, I've had fights and, and that sort of thing. I think I'm the type of person that has always loved a challenge mm. uh, and not in a challenge for challenge sake, but a challenge for growth. Um, you know, because I do think that uh, the biggest growth opportunities come out of uh, out of times that you're that you're experiencing something that's hard. And, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, for me, that looked like coming home after my White House fellows experience and seeing that the person who was representing the Kansas third was um, not doing a good job. And in a way, now that I had a different understanding of, you know, mm-hmm. and um and and the and this was the 2018 election cycle was starting. And um, I mean, I was certainly like a lot of people concerned about the direction the country was going. Um, I was both surprised and disheartened that um, when Donald Trump won the presidential election mm-hmm. um, and and then, you know, and in the midst of that, I'm coming home and seeing that our representative was not um, was just was not in my view representing the district in the way that he had when he ran for office the first Mm -hmm. time and came in, he seemed to have changed the like approach and um, his positions and stances and all kinds of things. And, uh, and I actually asked there were no women in the race. Mm-hmm. So, so there were a couple things that were, it was just kind of like adding up. Right. And there wasn't one, there wasn't like one specific thing that, that like sparked the fire. It was mm-hmm. like one thing after another, after another, you know, the direction that the country was going, our specific representatives. So there's like all this like meta mm. stuff yeah. happening that is kind of, spurring me on. And then there were no women in the race running against him, but there were a lot of people. There were five, five, five people already in the, uh, in a democratic primary um, running against um, my predecessor. And I remember thinking, surely there's a woman out here in the Kansas third with 700,000 plus people live in this area Surely there's a woman who's like, well, for sure there are qualified women, but surely there's someone who's, who would be willing to do this. So I actually asked a few people, Hey, would you be interested in running for Congress and and I'll help you. And then finally I was, you know, it was one of those moments where I was like, why am I asked? I mean, if I'm asking all these other people, if they would step up and run for office because we need more women running, I mean, I have a law degree. I have, uh, I mean, I, I worked at one of the, now one of the world's biggest law firms in the, um, 
uh, in the mergers and acquisitions and financing space. I have done nonprofit work, uh, uh, working on community and economic development. I've done a ton of work with the federal government. I probably understand the federal government better than most people. Mm. Why am I asking other people to do this? Mm-hmm. I should consider if I'm going to be if I'm going to be asking who's going to help solve this problem, you know, I need to consider whether or not I can be part of the of of the solution to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I mean, I did a lot of I did a lot of kind of soul searching because I think you know I'm a I'm a fan of Brene Brown's books, mm-hmm. and there's a book that she has. I don't remember if it's Daring Greatly. Um, I think it is. Uh, but I feel like there's somewhere in one of those books that says like, you know, people often ask, um, what would you, what would you do if you knew you would succeed? And she says, uh, in one of those books, what would you do if you knew you were going to fail? What would you still do even if you knew you were going to fail? And this was one of those things where, I mean, it, maybe it's easy for me to say now because I've won two elections, but I feel, spoiler alert, I won my first election. Um, I, I feel like it was the, the, as I was going around trying to figure out how we were going to um, change who represented us in Congress, it, mm. it just that, you know, like I was saying, it wasn't a, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a flash in the pan, this was like over time, yeah. there was more, and more um, being added to the fire that became my, like my, it, it felt like we just, we had to do this. We had to, mm-hmm. um, we had to, to be part of what eventually became resetting expectations about who runs for office. Um, yeah. And we ended up becoming part of a thing that happened nationally. Um, but for, for me and all the people that were working on, on the campaign and the small group of people that started, we really just were so focused on, we deserve a better representative and we know we can make it happen. Um, and every single day that went by, uh, it became more and more of a reality. Um, but at the beginning it was, you know, you use the word tenacity. There was definitely at the very beginning, I remember multiple people, um, who were, you know, part of the kind of democratic apparatus who, Mm -hmm. uh, discouraged me from running, um, Mm -hmm. who were asking me questions like there's already, there's already five people in the race. Why would you, why would you join the race? Or why do you think you're bringing something different to the table Mm -hmm. or what makes you think you should be doing this? I mean, people asked all kinds of interesting questions, Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I just think sometimes people just, it, I didn't, it didn't feel malicious, but in my mind, it was, um, I just had so much faith in our community that we could, that we could do better. And I just, I felt like it's okay if you don't see it yet. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just, we're just going to keep pushing along. And at some point, uh, we'll all come together and see that this really is something that's possible. And, you yeah. know, I think, I think I'm the right person to get the job done. And if we end up selecting someone else to get the job done, I'm on board because it's about yeah. getting the job done. It's not about us individually. Yeah. 
I can see how your mom's uh, wisdom and perspective, you know, is, you know, plays out in decisions like this, right? Because it's, uh, if you, it's important to know your why, you know, why something matters. But if you know that, if your reasons are strong, then it's really about breaking down a big problem into smaller things and then okay. tackling it one thing at a time and just keep going um, and, uh, you know, finding your way to that uh, North Star ultimately. I liked the way you just said that, taking this big thing and breaking it down, because that actually was, I don't remember someone asked me something about running. This was like in those early days when it was just like, at first there were like five, three of us, Cole and Danielle were part of the, we literally sat at their kitchen table and it was just three of us. And then, you know, each like every couple of days or every week, we got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and, and that sort of thing. When we approached it, it was in a very entrepreneurial kind of way. People were you know, asking me, what makes you think you can do this? It, it makes me think of when an inventor has a great idea mm. and they're trying to bring a new, uh, new product to market. And they're like, oh, look, I have a watch <laughs> that plays music. And that I can send messages through and, you know, people might be like, what? No one, no one wants that. That's why people have X, Y, you know, they have their, they have their computer to do that or they have, and, um, you know, if you're the person who came up with it, then you're like, you'll see, and you have to go out and prove viability. You know, you have to like, and that's what we did. Sure. There were people who were part of like a, the democratic apparatus that maybe didn't, Mm -hmm. uh, didn't see it, but, but just going out and talking to people, I was like, okay, no, for sure. If it was a new, if it was a new product, we, we would be able to say, no, no, there's a market for it. Trust me, because mm-hmm. here's the hundred people, here's the hundred people we've yeah. already been able to um, connect with. Okay. Now here's the thousand people. Here's 5,000 people, you yeah. know? And then when I won the primary. That was, uh, I think we, I think it was uh, 22,000 people or something like that. You know, so then we win the primary. And then at that point, it's kind of like going from your like venture capital stage to private equity yeah. stage yeah. where you like, where, you know, there's enough, there's enough, there's demo- enough evidence. Now you got to like yeah. really scale it. Yeah. And yeah. now it's like, okay, the institutional private equity, everybody's on board now. And, yeah. and now it's just like, I don't know, the go old school Apple versus Macintosh or something, you know, (laughs) like at that point now it's like the mass decision of which direction are you going to go? And, you know, our campaign ended up being the direction that, um, that the community was going to go, but, but it's a very entrepreneurial process. I mean, at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, you're just like, you have this thing that, you know, you need to get done. You got to win an election. And then you have all these problems that you have to solve along the way. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. 
Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. Yeah, so for everybody listening or watching this, this is a great play-by-play breakdown of exactly how the campaign process works and how do you go from deciding and putting your name on the ballot to actually uh, winning the election and getting into office, right? It's it's uh, not unlike an entrepreneurial journey of you got to have that clarity, you got to believe in what you stand for, and you got to bring other people along and solve the problems as they come up. Uh, so, you know, um, I love your pragmatism and optimism uh, through all of this. Uh, you know, but there's a bigger context to you running for election, which is who you are and what you represent. And while the campaign journey may be similar for anyone running for office, um, the challenges and the uniqueness of uh, your representation, I'm sure comes with, uh, you know, more uh, unique obstacles. So what was that like to just navigate through that or sometimes even you know, I, I don't know if there was moments where you felt like you weren't as welcome or you were the anomaly or, you know, you're the first one or the only one at the table. How did you find your voice, your confidence and owned your seat at the table? Um, that's a really good question. You know, I think that so I ha- I'll share a couple of things that I often say to people who are interested in running for office because I think it wasn't until other people started asking me, like, what is it like when you run? And then they have specific questions that I realized that, um, you know, running for office is it's kind of like whatever your lived experience is, mm-hmm. it's it's that like on steroids or like uh, it just amplifies everything about it, it almost like amplifies everything about you and your own internal struggles and strengths. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not, cause it's not just the bad stuff. It amplifies mm-hmm. all the things. So um, I'll, I'll share the good stuff that it amplifies. And then I'll talk about the, um, the struggles piece. So people will show up in ways that you never would have expected. Like people that you're like, Oh, I thought we were just kind of like, um, friendly acquaintances and they'll show up and be there like every step of the way, like every single day when Mm -hmm. you, uh, when you're at your lowest and on in the day and they're like, you know what? I brought you this cupcake and I'm going to sit with you and like, just vent if you need to, or, Mm -hmm. um, just like all these different things that you maybe don't notice, in every day, um, because it's so few and far between that you have the the mm-hmm. peaks and valleys. Um, and then when it comes to the struggles, like also, you know, I, I interact when you're running for office, you interact with so many humans. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you end up, um, like when you're the only person like you in the room or you're trying something new that people don't necessarily understand or um, they don't have that same uh, vision that you do, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sometimes the questions that people ask you, like people, people ask me all kinds of like weird 
questions, um, you know, about uh, being a lesbian or being native or being a woman, like, why are you, like, are you going to run as a woman candidate? And it's like, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a woman. So (laughs) yes, I will be running as myself. Um, And so, but depending on your, but depending on where you're at that day, and I think Mm -hmm. we all experience this is things land differently depending on where you're Mm -hmm. at. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because some- the, these are many, in many ways, they're microaggressions, regardless of intent. Sometimes right. people, you know, uh, say things in ways that maybe they're not uh, with ill intent, but they are still microaggressions. And like you said, depending on your state of mind and, you know, How much what your experience. You- yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. And so, um, this experience is just, it amplifies everything. So it's that much more important that you like get sleep and drink water and eat and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But during the campaign, the things that I noticed the most um, in terms of like, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm used to, because I'm used to being the only person like me in the room or because I'm used to getting into spaces where like, you know, I mean, somehow I went from growing up poor and being a first generation college student and working the whole time I was in school and taking eight years to get my bachelor's degree to getting into Cornell for law school. You know, I'm used to showing up in places where I'm like, this is such a different experience. But also I just had to keep telling myself like, this is not, this, it's not about me. This is not Mm -hmm. about me. This is about the future of our country. This is about our democracy. And just like keeping that big picture in mind is like so important when it comes to navigating the things that like, you feel like you're getting beat up every single day. And it's like, it's okay. It's okay. Because every day that we keep pushing, we're that much closer to achieving the thing that we're trying to achieve, which is like literally a better future for our children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. And that's why, you know, having that total clarity is so important because, you know, whether you're building a business or aspire to the C-suite in a corporate career or you want to run for office, you know, everything you shared, there's so many parallels for people, regardless of the career path, to learn from what you just described, which is, you know, you have to have clarity on your why, but you have to break down those big, audacious goals and those scary ambitions into achievable chunks. And then you have to bring other people along but recognize that whether you're succeeding or failing, that it's not a reflection off you as a person, but it's just more, uh, you know, uh, fuel to keep going along that path. Um, You know, I want to wrap up with one final question, which is, um, you know, your uh, successes in uh, political office are so historic and, and really have open the pathways for so many other people. What advice would you give to, you know, the next generation about why it's important to consider uh, a career in politics and, you know, why representation ultimately matters? So I think it's interesting because I think that, um, first of all, I think if you have any inkling or, uh, desire or it pops into your head, like, Hey, I might want to run for office. Then I like, to me, that in and of itself is a, like, 
you should do it because Mm -hmm. we spend so much time in our lives telling ourselves that we can't do something that, you know, I think, I think that, um, especially for things like public service now, granted there's like the kind of like realm of reasonable, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're like, each of us has to decide if we're in the right place to do something. Um, so I'm not encouraging people to, um, to be unreasonable, but, uh, if you think you want to run for office, if you think you want to be in public service and it doesn't have to be running for office, it could be like working on somebody else's campaign. Cause maybe you're a behind the scenes person. You know, mm-hmm. I think that politics, like anything else, you know, you gotta, uh, uh, you know, I've read all, I've read all these leader. I've read a whole bunch of leadership books and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, that concept of like filling the bus with the right people or whatever, yeah. like, yeah, like, get on the right seat. That's right. Like, like you have to, you have to kind of know yourself and that's Mm -hmm. true of everything, right? Like do, if you're doing what makes you thrive, if you're like committed to the things that you feel like are like, like I'm doing, I cannot imagine what else I would possibly be doing with my life right now. Mm -hmm. Like even if I tried to imagine like, oh, I could, maybe I could go do this or maybe I don't even know. Like, I can't imagine what else I would be doing. That's how I know I'm doing the thing that I should be doing, you know, and not all of us get to experience that at every stage of our life. But if you have an inkling that you like, you know, you're a school teacher right now, Mm -hmm. but you, but, but you can see that like the school board or the city council or the county commission or Congress, like that you can bring something to that, go yeah. for it. And, uh, and there's a bunch of steps that have to be taken, but like those steps are not insurmountable. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff where like we get told so often, no, don't do that. Don't try that. Uh, it's going to be too hard. You might not succeed. You're not going to succeed. Like we get told that by all kinds of other people, let them keep worrying about that. And, and we can keep worrying about what we need to do to, to support our community, to thrive as individuals, to thrive as communities. And I think that that's the kind of stuff like, like that's, that, that's the stuff that we need. And it's, and, you know, past that it's decision-making. Like if Mm -hmm. you and, and if you, if you enjoy talking to people, that's a big part of the job. If, um, uh, you know, I like public speaking was the first time I had to do public speaking. I, I distinctly remember I was in eighth grade and I had to do one of those, you know, we were forced to do a speech. Um, and that was how I felt about it. Some people might say, oh, and then I got to give a speech. To me, it was like I was forced to give a speech and I gave, and I read the words that were written on the paper and then I ran out of the classroom and I was crying because I was so nervous and worked up. Mm-hmm. And now it's like literally every single day I'm, I'm giving speeches and, and doing public speaking. And I got used to it, not because it was something that I love, but it's part of the job. But I do mm-hmm. love connecting with people. I love talking to people. I love like listening to what people are talking about and trying to figure out if I can get to the crux of the issue so that we can mm-hmm. address policy. And so yeah. I think that like figuring out what you, like what helps you thrive um, is, is the like 
you'll, you'll feel it if, if getting into public service in this way is, is for you. Um, I mean, you're not going to love every aspect of it, but you don't love every aspect of anything that we do. So, (laughs) but what's important is that we have, uh, more women with a seat at the table. And, uh, you know, and that's why personally for me, uh, that's why my work with LPAC is so meaningful because, you know, being the only organization that is, uh, you know, helping LGBTQ women getting elected at the local, state and federal level. I mean, this year has been a, a huge milestone because we're on track to endorse 150 LGBTQ candidates, which is the highest Amazing. number ever. And, uh, you know, that's why, uh, you know, uh, leaders like yourself are so critical because you're shining the light. You're the beacon who's been, you know, already achieved the successes and there's more to follow, but we need more representation. And, uh, uh, we're hopeful that, uh, you know, as you keep, uh, you know, breaking down more barriers that, uh, more women will be in office at all levels and that uh, together we can all make the world more inclusive. So with that, I want to thank you for your time today and uh, thank you for your public service and for all the great work that you do and for the communities that you serve. Uh, We are, uh, you know, very, very excited uh, about your continued success. Um, but in, uh, in terms of wrapping up, I'd love to have you share where our audience can find you, how they can support your campaign, uh, how they might want to get engaged. Um, you know, wrap, let's wrap up with that. Okay. Um, so a couple of things, one, you know, I've got all the, well, I don't have, I don't have TikTok, even though I'm a good dancer. No, I'm (laughs) Uh, but we, you know, I'm, we're on, uh, my website is shariceforcongress.com. Um, and you can follow my, uh, uh, Twitter accounts. I'm rep Davids or Sharice for Congress. Oh wait, on Twitter, I think I'm Sharice Davids, um, on Instagram, I'm Sharice for Congress. Um, and so you can, you can, um, find us on all the social media, um, platforms and that sort of thing. And then also, you know, we're going to be anybody who's either already in Kansas or, um, uh, visiting Kansas, let us know if you're coming through, uh, and you'll see stuff on our, on our social about different, um, events we're putting together and, and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, if you go to Sharice for Congress, you can, uh, both sign up to get emails from us about what's going on with the campaign. Um, and also, if you want to click the donate button, feel free. We could always use the resources because um, it, it definitely takes uh, a whole bunch of us to, to be able to get out our message and, and make sure that we kind of keep the, keep the country moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, I'd encourage everyone. Thank you for the work you're doing um, with LPAC. It's like, um, that is something I should have mentioned earlier when I, when we were, we were talking about the barriers and um, grit and mm-hmm. overcoming things. And, um, when I was saying that people show up for you in ways that you never mm-hmm. would have expected organizations, like I didn't know that LPAC existed before I was, before I decided to run. Yeah. And so that it's one of these things where like, Thank goodness there are already people who are already mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways to um, to break down barriers, to help folks who might 
not have been in these spaces before because, you know, someone like me with no political background or like politics Mm -hmm. background, um, organizations like LPAC are like exactly what someone like me needed as I was like, especially in those first few um, steps, you know, yeah. So thank you so much for exactly. what you're doing. And there was one thing okay. I know we were going to do a little bit of stuff. I, t- I talk too much, which is part of even when I was a kid, um, I remember <laughs> getting in trouble in school. But um, I know one of the things that uh, we were going to we were going to do was like this rapid fire thing. But I yeah. wanted to say that one thing that changed, I feel like changed my life was when I realized that I get to decide what success means for me. Mm. And that is like, it's how I finished college. It's how I ended up like deciding to leave a big law firm where I was making more money than I could conceptualize and, and started doing nonprofit work. It's what it's, it's how I like, knew that if I ran for Congress, even if I didn't win, that it would feel like a success to me because someone like me mm. deciding for Congress is a, is a huge step. And so I just wanted to share that um, as we close out here, because I feel like um, we get, we, we don't, we don't get that often enough where we like get where, where we get told, like you get to decide what mm. success means for you. Not anybody else. That's, that is a very powerful um, pearl of wisdom for everyone to keep in mind. And especially for marginalized communities and underrepresented people. So often we, you know, defer our dreams or make them too small because we're defining success the way everybody else is. And I think uh, your words are so powerful. Define success on your own terms and then go after it. Um, So thank you again, Representative Davids, for being on the show. Couldn't be prouder uh, of your work and so honored to have you. Uh, Good luck with your campaign. We're excited about everyone supporting you and uh, look forward to many more years of impact. Thank you so much. It was good to see you. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.